We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And despite a lot of rumblings uh, going into it, and certainly a dramatic couple of days, the Lakers made no moves at the trade deadline. And afterward, we got a fairly rare appearance from Rob Palenka to discuss the events there. Mike, you were you were there. You were there listening. Get us up to speed on what uh, Rob had to say. Well, first of all, I'm I'm what Darius like twenty miles from the spot, twenty miles from the crib, not even closer than that. Ten, no, ten cl- miles yeah, across the like, across the river. Or the easy, river. The, the water. Right, so right across the bay, Mike the bay. is. So Mike is on the other side of the bay. We would. I'll, I will. We are going to try to connect while Mike is here because the Lakers are up in the bay already for their Saturday game against the Warriors. And so I'm I'm sitting here looking at Mike. I see a beautiful city view behind him, which is very much a reminder of when I used to work at the city. And so it is nice to see you close. I will see you in person, I'm sure, over the next couple of days. And there you go. we are looking at the same Laker team though mike and so it, it's definitely good to see you but i'm wondering how happy everyone's going to be to see the same lakers team that went into the trade deadline <laughs> um and now we're on the other side of the deadline and and it's the same group yeah well especially coming off of that portland game right which was a That's tough right. watch it was a tough place it was a tough building to be in it was a tough plane ride back although i will say that there. I think that there are going to be some guys that are that respond better to this than it seems. I like now that that is now that that has happened and there weren't any trades that are made. Uh, I think that it it puts the accountability back on each individual person. And this was one of the points that Rob Palenka made on the conference call today that I thought was totally fair and totally good in in kind of an important way to focus. And let's see, he said. When it comes to finding success when a team is not winning, I think the most important action is for everyone to look in the mirror and be better. That includes the front office. It includes the coaches. It includes the players. So having some personal responsibility and ownership now over what's going to happen and know uh, injuries, this, the trade deadline, this guy, this guy might not be here. This, all of that kind of stuff, that, that part of it is, is out of the way. Uh, so I'll kick that back to you guys. And then there was there was another quote, I think, that from Rob that summarized why they didn't do anything that's important for us to discuss. But first of all, that's that's that takeaway from the trade deadline. Now it's like, all right, guys, here it's on you now. Here's your squad. Sure. Yes. Yes. Then. But there's a lot to unpack with that. We were like the team's in a bad place or has been in a bad place in we've talked about like the personal components of that that really precede any of the basketball and all of that but with respect to the trade deadline i i don't want to paraphrase too much so maybe you can give the exact quote mike but that reason the, what i read into rob's answer actually first do do you have that pulled up mike would you be able to well, read it before so, i respond yeah. to it hopefully we're talking about the same one but so the right off the top right and i basically asked him so like what 
what was the deal today, the last couple of weeks building up into this? And he said, we were aggressive in a lot of conversations trying to improve the team. We always want to put this team in the best position to win a championship. But but ultimately, we didn't find a deal that had a net positive effect for the short-term success of the team and the long-term. And those are both things we consider. And later on, he made a comment that basically, to paraphrase, was like, championships are the goal. Right. Like there are it's a binary. We are either going to win the championship or we are not going to win. Yeah, the so championship. Here's that, here's that quote. Yeah, it's it's quote. It's important to remember that the metric of success here is you win a championship or you don't. There's no middle ground. We have to be on a pathway to put this team in a position to try and compete for and win championships. That takes the support of one another. And I know that's going on internally, despite what others might say. Yes. And so that the way I interpret that is if there was a deal on the table where we could have plausibly truly improved our championship chances, right? We would have done that. Correct. But in the absence of that, right, we're not going to make a move simply for the purpose of doing that. Now, the Lakers need to make changes, but I don't think that they needed to for example, there was a, a proposed salary dump trade for for Russ that would have been, you know, the rumored involved that Lakers give up future assets. Darius, I'm glad we didn't give up any future assets to marginally improve or to move on from something like that. That said, we still do need to make changes. So first off, I want to hear your thoughts on the no moves at all at the trade deadline. So I'll actually have a piece up about this at Silver Skin and Roll, I think, tomorrow because my read, even before Rob Palinka's comments came 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 out, my read was exactly that: that the Lakers made a calculation. They made a calculation that there's no move to make that improves our chances in June, but there are moves that we can make that make our chances worse in July. Mm, and, that's a great way of putting it. And the team chose July. Right. And look, you're not general manager or vice president of basketball operations for one season and then the clock resets and then it's a new guy. Hopefully you are in the job for the long term and it's your job. And Mike Rob's quote spoke spoke to this. There's no deal that we saw that improved our chances in both the short term and in the long term. And we consider both. Ta-da! There it is, basically. Like I, so I was surprised that the team did not make a move at the trade deadline, even a move mm-hmm. on the margins. Rob went on later to talk about um, the potential that exists in, in the buyout market. The Lakers are unable to go into the buyout market with an open roster spot. And so I thought if no other moves were made, there were going to be moves on the margins in order to open up roster spots, particularly with players who have fallen out of the rotation and are no longer looked at as viable pieces on this team, just based off the fact that they almost never play unless there's injuries or multiple players are out or it's garbage time. And if that's the only time that you play, then maybe your roster spot would be more beneficial as being vacant for the potential for a buyout spot, right? And so I thought a move was coming just from that perspective. So I was surprised. I was also surprised because like you were saying, Pete, there's, and we talked about this on Thursday's pod, that the vibes are rough right now around the team. And LeBron called it a fog. You could call it like bad mojo. You could call it like, like rock bottom. You can like, these are all, these are all saying the same thing. Yes. It's all the same stuff, right? Like the team is in a hole. They're trying to figure out a way out. And that frustration that we talked about on Wednesday's pod, that's boiled over. Mike, from, from and this is an outsider's perspective. Now, maybe the deadline coming and passing, maybe that sort of shoring up of things from the idea of like, this is the team, except for maybe like a couple of end of the bench guys who might get released or whatever in order to open up a spot for a buyout guy, that this is the group. Now it's time to be personally accountable the way that you said um, or implied that that's sort of the meaning behind that, right? But it's like, the cha- there's change for change's sake, and then there's change because, hey, maybe we actually do need a change. 
And I thought the team was more in the latter position, like that, yeah, you can say it's change for change's sake. And even if that's not moving the needle towards a championship, part of a championship are the vibes, right? It's like part of the championship is that alchemy of togetherness. And that's been impacted over the course of the team's first 50 some odd games. And in the last two games that they played, I thought it looked a little bit past if not at the breaking point, like right there. And it's like, okay, well, what happens now? So first of all, I think that the the whole idea of improving the team at the trade deadline, you are typically going to have to pay a tax for that for any team. Like if, if mm-hmm. other teams are out there be like, oh, okay, if you want us to help you try to go win a title, it's going to cost you, right? Like it, it might be a first round pick. It might be a, some young talent or, or whatever. And the team's... Therefore, the teams that make those kind of moves, those are win now, sacrifice the future moves. Typically, it's not often that you're going to make some amazing trade at the trade deadline and like also not give up a bunch of assets. And that's why there are there are some vulture teams that are in there. Fewer, though, this year, especially because of the plan, uh, which just sort of keeps more teams in play. So all of the stuff in, in I'm sure that all you guys listening to this podcast, we're sending texts to some of your other friends that follow the Lakers and Hey, yo, did you see this report about player X? And my response to almost all of those was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Like they're these teams they're what the Lakers had to give, you know, was not going to some other team was not going to be like, Oh yeah, you can have, yeah, you can have this guy for it because whether it's because of what the Lakers had to give or not, like it just, to me, that was always going to be, uh, be somewhat of an issue. And all of the stuff that's going on with the team right now, and the malaise, the or whatever it is, the fog, um, that's a separate conversation from sort of how to improve the team. And in, in, although it's not completely separate, Pete, because if it were just nothing but amazing vibes and the team was in a different standing, you know, then maybe it is worth sacrificing a little bit more mm-hmm. because you think that the title is within further reach. And right now, the title is not within yeah. reach. You heard yeah. LeBron say that we watched the team play like it, it's not. But you also, Pete, you made a great point. I thought in the pod this morning, um, I'm also a listener. Uh, I wasn't a part of that <laughs> one about how nothing is wasted time in the NBA. You can't just pack it in at, like there. There's a way that they could start playing or some chemistry or maybe this guy. And this, there's always stuff that they should be focused on. And and so that's on the table, too. Now, as as you move forward and the plan does at least give some element of hope. Uh, for for who knows what could happen. Let's take a quick break and kind of talk about that. What now? Look at this team from here on out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So first things first, we need to decide what we want to be. And I think that there are some honest conversations that need to happen. One of the things that I am concerned about, and I've been concerned about this kind of like breaking apart culturally for a while, 
one of the things that I'm concerned with going forward is that there is not there is very little reason for togetherness, right? Every team wants to play together. Every team, man, every freaking high school team in the country, 60% of them, they go one, two, three, family on the way out, right? Of the the huddle, right? You try to at every turn inspire this feeling of togetherness and we're all working toward one. No, the band of it's brothers also, idea, man. Like yeah. it's like like it's it's it's, it's the sports. area where like the military and sports mm-hmm. totally use the same lingo. It's that same jargon of in order to accomplish some something big, you don't do that on your yep. own. You, you don't do it on your own. You simply can't. And but one of the things that takes away from inspiring that is perpetual turnover. Meaning that our roster has changed significantly every single year for the last several years. And what happens is there are several veterans on this team deep into their careers that it's not a matter of like, oh, they're going to quit on the team or they're not going to care. or But there's not that like they're not playing for their basketball lives. They're in many cases toward the end of their NBA careers. And there's not this like. I've been playing with these dudes for years and years and we if like we do have LeBron and AD, right? And we can call back on our previous successes and our previous glories to recapture whatever it was that we used to have and and go from there. And so what I see is a high potential for good faith people, not again people that are that are bad in any way, but to not be particularly invested in the last part of this season. And Mike, that's something that I look at, like I've really enjoyed keeping up and I wish I could watch them more with the South Bay Lakers, but there are a couple of dudes hooping down there. There, And my attitude is we need to kind of clear out whatever the bad vibes are. We need to decide like who wants to be a part of this going forward and who really doesn't. And just have some honest conversations because before we can grow anything and use that time, Mike, we can't grow anything in poisoned soil. Nothing yeah, can grow yeah. if the soil is poisoned. Yeah, uh, that's. I don't want to dispute that, but I do. All, I do want to draw a distinction between sort of a development portion versus the plan opportunity. And okay, like you know, because if this isn't a year like we experienced before LeBron came and even that year that LeBron came and got hurt the first one where, all right, well, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Oh, the Lakers they are in 12th right now in terms of tankathon, like for what the picks are going to be. Well, they don't have the pick. First of all, this year, Mm -hmm. it's either going to go to Memphis or new Orleans, depending on where it ends up. And they, it's going to be difficult for them to not be in the play in mix. So, like New Orleans lost tonight. They're three back in the loss column in the 10 spot. And then after that is Portland, who, despite beating the Lakers, is going to take a, a, a nosedive down into the standings. Sacramento could put some wins together, like being excited about getting some bonus. But there's six games in the loss column behind the Lakers. And and so for whatever is going on with the Lakers, I don't like they they will have a shot in the play in no matter if it's seven, eight, nine or ten. And to me, that still has to be what they're playing for and what they're building yeah. towards. And, and if that means, and not that you suggested otherwise, but the whole like bringing guys up from the G league and sure. Like if you, if you can bring somebody up to, you know, to and, and play them over somebody here, clarify what you, what you were going to say yeah. there though, quick Pete, to make sure I'm not misinterpreting. We have a, we have a funk over the franchise that right now that that air needs to be cleared before we can accomplish any of the, let's get to the seven seed. Let's pass the Clippers and make sure we can uh, all that. That's all future tense stuff. We have a today problem where we do not play hard. And going forward toward the end of the season, in order to accomplish anything, there is a certain, and you know this, you've taught me so much about this, Mike, about the length of the season and the ebb and flow of it. And the like, you know, just because you, this team came back when they were down 25, like there's so much that, knowledge that you have of this is what happens night to night on, in, in the NBA, that this is something that I think is in that same family 
of when you get to this point of the season, not at the beginning of the season where everyone, you don't have that collective frustration built up, but what happens when a team starts to fracture and break apart? I was a like once a week assistant coach, video coordinator for a high school team that had a similar season to this. We're just like, everything went wrong and like the coach hated the players and the players hated the coach. Maybe I'll tell that story one day, but I, it was incredible experience to be able to be like, wow, this is what happens from the inside when it all blows up. Right. And on a very low level, but it was certainly informative. And what I'm saying is that you got to get the, you've got to get anybody who's not like in it from here toward the end of the season. Like that's fine. That's fine. But we have to be able to move on. In order to move on, we have to clear that out. And that has that requires conversations. That requires certain a certain like, are you in or are you out? And going from there. And I think even part of that, Mike, is like an, just a natural thing, right? It's not like an intentional, I'm quitting on the team or anything like that. It's just those guys at the end of the bench, those G League type guys, there needs to be a certain infusion of give a crap. Well, to bring this back to the trade deadline conversation, just really quickly, look what we saw just happen with James Harden. Mm -hmm. James Harden, everything up until this morning or the morning of the trade deadline was Harden was telling the Nets, I want to be here. I am committed. I am this. I am that. And those are words, right? And then this morning, it, and then on Thursday morning, it was... Harden has expressed a certain amount of displeasure and he's now moved to the point where he wants to be traded to the 76ers. And it's just like, okay, that didn't happen in six hours. Right. And so (laughs) the idea that you're talking about Pete of like, are you in or are you out? The, those are, those have to be transparent and honest conversations. Yes. Because no beating around the bush there. Because Mm -hmm. the team needs to figure out exactly do if we need to be less talented in order to be more together i'd rather be more together at Amen. this at this exactly point of the that. season than more talented right yes and to a certain extent rob palinka made a very similar calculation when he did not make any trades he said we need if we're less talented right because we are foregoing the potential small upgrade that would bring us a little bit more more talent but maybe not get us to where we actually want to go then no i'd rather be less talented and and be like we're gonna ride with this group now where this group is mike is okay well are you with us or are you not because any sort of idea around like well, we all we all want to row in this direction. Hey, we're five back of the sixth seed, or we're three back or four back of the seventh seed. Those are goals for us. Well, everyone needs to be going in the same direction to accomplish goals. And if someone is just like, yeah, well, but what about my rebounding numbers? Or what about... I've got a scoring streak going or what or what about I'm a free agent at the end of this season. Those are all if those are above the goals of like this is what we want to do as a team, then no nah, man like maybe we need to have a conversation, you need to be cut and you need to find an opportunity where you can go chase those goals because over here on this side we got these other things that we need to worry, worry about. And if we're less talented because you got to go, then we're less talented. I'll live with that at this point. All right. So a couple things to get to get to. One is all the trades around the league and how that impacts, especially the Western Conference and, and the Lakers. The other one to build off of the comments that you guys both just made. I think a lot of this has to do with LeBron James. And he is the person that dictates a lot of that. And let's get to that next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so 
Pete, I think you made a comment. You've said this a couple times, but this team, or maybe maybe it was Darius at all. You guys are both. Um, I know we we so, always blend together. I've noticed yeah, that with you. Like it's it's it's. We're, what would our what would our couple name be? Well, but here's you know? here's why. Because <laughs> one of you set one of you makes a point, and then the other one builds on it, right? So it uh-huh. ends up, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like, oh, you just had one point, and then it's usually there. Sure. Somebody will add a layer to it, and I try yes to and. do that as well. Yes, right? you absolutely do. It's always yes improv. and. I, I love yes. the idea improv. of yes and. We yep. don't improv. we don't have notes for our pods, Mike. It's all improv. Nope. It's all yes well, and. And I and that's I generally right. So like when I was so okay, as we go off and aside here, I like to have a typically like if a, a rundown or something, but. I like even more not having to have one. But in order to not have one, all three people really have to be prepped going in on on whatever might come up. So that's a, that's a whole different thing. But there, the the reason that I am thinking about it in this context is you said this team takes the personality more from LeBron or so, sort of its direction more from LeBron even than in the past couple of years. Does one of you want to claim that, or did you both touch on it? That was that was okay. me. Yeah, See, was I was my, right at yeah, first. Okay, Pete. so where I've talked about with LeBron. He looks at this 365-day calendar, and he thinks, all right, my body's got to be at X percent for this to turn into what is ideally a run towards the finals. Well, what is LeBron thinking now? His knee mm-hmm. is sore, right? Mm-hmm. How this team at, at best right now, right, at best right now, barring some unforeseen thing happening, is going to be in like the 7-8 playing game at best. At worst, it, though, here and there isn't that much of a difference between the at worst being the nine or the ten and having to win two games in order to face what's likely going to be the Phoenix Suns. And therefore, what is LeBron going to do night to night in these final X amount of games? And and how does anyone on the team, the coach, AD, Russell Westbrook, you know, Stanley Johnson just signed a guaranteed deal. For, how is anybody else going to be able to dictate otherwise? And and that to me is it's not necessarily a conundrum. Like uh, it's, but it's a. I'm that's where I'm wondering what whether it's a G League, you know, inflection. Like it's still ultimately going to be what LeBron is going to dictate there. That's that's the first question in what do we want to be going forward is talking to LeBron with like, yo, you want to make a run at this? Meaning that like making a run at it doesn't have that expectation, especially now as we're breaking apart that like we're going to, there's a title at the end of that, but like, do you want to build towards something toward the next year and lose in the first round, lose in the second, whatever ends up happening, right? Is, or do you want to rest that knee? Do you want to, like there's, it's not a, Again, it's not a judgment like on, oh, you're bad if you do this. It's just, but how we handle things going forward, D, is largely based on the answer to that question. Yeah, and I would argue too that another part of that conversation is, are we going to reset the expectations? Because one of the things I see from LeBron is that, Mike, that 365-day view, that, that, that I'm a 100-game player view, which is what mm-hmm. LeBron is thinking. Like, I have to play 100 games this season, right? Because he's thinking 82 games, and then I got to get 16 more wins. And so he's looking at anywhere between 20 to 25 additional games, and and he may not play the full 82 slate, but that's his goal, right? He's got to go from that idea of our expectation is to win the championship, and every failure or loss to a bad Portland team or missed defensive rotation that somebody should have made in a play, that's all stacked up against this idea of what this team was supposed to be. And what this team was supposed to be is, at this point, a figment of people's imaginations, right? Because it does not exist at this point. If it will ever exist, that's a whole different story that looks super doubtful, but that's a conversation for a different day. The conversation that you have to have with LeBron, and I think LeBron has to have this with himself too, a little bit, is what do I think we're going to be? Am I okay with that? And now am I going to put all of the efforts I had into being a hundred game player into being an 85 game player? 
right? Which is a different thing. Do I want to push and push as hard as what he may need to push in order to be maybe first round fodder, right? Like, and we're talking about LeBron James here. Pete, we've been doing this pod for so long, but maybe it was two years ago. We talked about LeBron James and it was within the context of, all right, well, like, like a boxer does, like how many rounds do I have? How many punches can, can mm-hmm. I take? LeBron has to be thinking, how many dunks do I have? How many drives to the basket? How many times can I fall down? How many times, right? Like, and that's a real thing. He's played mm-hmm. over 60,000 minutes, right? And, and so when you talk about this conversation begins with, with LeBron, it does. But it also, and it also does involve AD. It also does involve Frank Vogel. It also does involve Russell Westbrook. Right. These are all serious, hard, but direct and transparent conversations, because in the end, we need to know as a group. And it can't be any half measures. It can't be just like lingering like, oh, this is the team. Figure it out. Like, I really think that there need to be conversations regarding direction. And why are we like, what is the point of the rest of the season? And that is not to say that I, I very much don't agree with the idea of packing it in and all right, LeBron and AD, you sit and let's bring up, you know, all these G leaguers. And now our starting lineup looks like it did in Portland the other night, Mike. And so there's but there's a calculation to that. What Darius was talking about is correct. That idea of mileage and only having so much, Mike. And so that, though, we I feel like we got to know the answer to that before we can do anything else. Yeah, I mean, to me, the answer is still obvious, though. It's it's how do you get LeBron specifically to that playing situation, and how much, how many resources do you have to devote to to try and put yourself in at least the best position for it? And yeah. if and like to me, the run is out of the All Star break. Like we'll see what happens at Golden State tomorrow. The Warriors should be favored to win that game, uh, and we'll see. Maybe LeBron and AD will come out and and suggests otherwise but once they get and then they have utah after the all-star break everybody gets a week off right you come in you kind of re- it's like that's your that's your last chance to in good faith put something together and come out in that first game after the break and they haven't done it this year they haven't been able to sustain it, it it's it hasn't clearly has not been all of their fault uh, for mostly interrupted by injuries to lebron and ad there are other factors as well but that is the point where you have to make that push. And if that fails too, then you have to make that transition. Uh, it's just not going to be as neat as I think it would be in other seasons because of that, that play in zone that's yeah. going to at least have you play one of those games. And mm-hmm. if you come out in the play in game after all of that and like show the same level of collective energy, right, then you're just, you'll know in the first quarter. But I think that that's, you got to have one more good faith rally the troops and and see what's up after the all-star break. But I think there's a way of doing that. I I do agree with you though. Well, Pete, and just to kick it to to you here too, I think that this goes back to Rob's comment about like, we need to all look in the mirror. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that self-examination, that sort of looking inward, that allows you to then have those real conversations that need to be had with other people, right? Because yeah, what happens in that part? I want to talk about that part because that's a beyond basketball and like beyond basketball, that's a life thing. Like in that self-examination, what happens in that process that gets you to the point to have those conversations with other people that you need to have? Well, I'm just saying, man, that it's just like you can't be honest with other people if you're not being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that's life. That's not basketball, right? That's life. And so this idea of, am I actually playing hard every night? Am I actually doing what the coach is asking me to do every single night? Am I actually being committed to what the asks are? Am, am I bringing my own ideas to the table as well and being open and honest about what my ideas are in order to try to get the most out of not only me, but the rest of my teammates as well. There is, Pete, you've talked a fair amount about the dissonance between like some of the stuff that the team has been doing from a schematic standpoint on certain nights and the roster 
And some of that is player availability and who's there mm-hmm. and who's not. And some of it is just like, okay, well, this is what the other team is doing to us. And so we're trying to counter it this way, but that's not necessarily aligning with the strengths of of the individual players that are out there ask, being asked to do those things. Um the Pacers game was a good example of that where Karis LeVert is driving in to drop coverages where Carmelo Anthony is dropping. That's not a strength of Carmelo Anthony's. I think he's committed to trying to do the thing that's that's asked of him, but he's mm-hmm. not going to succeed at that. Mm-hmm. Carmelo might not su- succeed at switching either, just to make that clear as well, that there's sure. not a lot of great solutions, but this is what the ask is. I think that he was trying, but that's not what Carmelo Anthony is going to be able to be successful at. So I think Frank Vogel needs to look in the mirror. What am I asking of my players? Is that the thing that I can, am I putting them in the best positions to succeed? And and the players need to be like, well, am I actually giving this coach my all, even if he's asking me to do things that maybe live outside my comfort zone, right? And bringing all of that to the table in order to then say like, look, we got 20 some odd games left. What's that going to look like for us? I feel like we've we've seen it enough to where... I don't trust that it's there in enough of them to where I think an infusion of guys that like, I know you care and I know you will play hard every time you come on. Like what's, what's been the funnest part of this season? For me, it's been Malik Monk, Stanley Johnson, and Austin Reeves. Aside from being able to watch LeBron James, right? Like, yeah, besides like the greatest the heights, basketball besides of all the time. heights that like LeBron and AD can reach, and some but of just that, like right? the fan of experience, the fan experience of like, hey, check these guys out, and it's well, always mellow, fun. Mellow too. Oh, yes, Mellow too. No, thank you for adding that. But Mellow, to Darius's point, Mike, Mellow has that degree of give a crap. I've well, always, well, I've been so struck by Frank's post game comments about Mellow throughout this year, and when you ask him about Mellow, he's like. Man, Melo's been great. It's like some of the happiest you've seen Frank all year. And Melo's not good on the defensive thing, uh, things that he's asked, but Melo really cares. You saw him pull uh, Anthony Davis aside a couple of times in the last game, yeah. like really into the game, like, hey, do this, do that. And that matters so much, Mike. I got to sit. I don't know when this, I'm going to probably put it out next week, but I got to sit down with Melo for about 40 minutes the other day and talk about sort of his upbringing in basketball. Oh, and awesome. You know, he's he's just he's an awesome guy. Like, forget my conversation with him. Ask anybody in the NBA. So that that matters. Melo is a real one. Everybody loves him. He's a genuinely, you know, he's he's just a good a good dude who. And the the insight that I try to get into the interview behind that is that he grew up in project housing in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and then he and he moved from there when he was age eight to basically the wire, which is in his words, West Baltimore. And so throughout those two experiences, which were different, but very similar in certain ways, he he's looked at his whole life as a blessing in certain ways. And he's tried to give that back um, to the game, to the people that have been around him. And so, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Even when you see Melo awesome. make the kind of mistakes that he'll make on defense. And so, and you know, sometimes it's more of the, like, well, I, I know, I'm probably not going to be able to move my feet here. So I'm just going to reach out and grab this guy, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. But then, then he kind of looks up and he, and he knows that he did it and he, it's like, and he's owns up to it. And uh, yeah, so he's just a, he is a gem of a guy and that's, you know, and that's playing out. I think it's impossible to separate that from those kind of things for a coach when, when you're around somebody. hundred percent. And we need more of that. We need more of that and more of that just like real give a crap and in, engagement that that's why I bring up Monk and Reeves and Stanley. And even if like we don't have any, the talent infusion in terms of like G League guys or things like that, to me, this period of time, all those dudes, Talon too, by the way, I am so glad they did not trade Talon for some of the guys that they had. He's got several holes in his game. He's 21 years old. He is not on a rookie control contract, which I think is a big factor in his overall market value and all of that, who has been asked to do several things that are not within the wheelhouse of what he's good at. And that creates an environment that I think diminishes his trade value and all of that. The it would have been it would have been tragic if we would have traded him for some of the guys that were brought up there. All them dudes, all them young guys, Mike, to me, should be – those are all 25-minute-per-game guys at, at a minimum going forward. 
Uh, yeah, I would just say that like those guys have been playing a lot, <laughs> you know. Sure. So it's not like those guys haven't seen significant but minutes. Austin in their- played thirteen minutes and like Avery played like thirty six minutes the other day. You know, not that I, Avery doesn't I, give a crap. Too, Avery yeah. has plenty of give. Avery crap. does give a crap, and I too would have played more Austin Reeves uh, than sure. I, than than Bradley. So I'm with you on that one. One of the things. And I do want like for the last five minutes or so of the pod, I, I do want to do like a round robin of maybe like trade stuff and like what surprised you guys the most. Right. Yeah. Let's, but, let's talk around the league. Yeah. yeah. But but one last just one last point about the Lakers and, and and trying to close it out here with this idea of give a crap and everyone being together and sort of rowing in in the same direction. And it goes back to a comment that I made the last pod about um, saying that you care and sort of showing that that you care. Right. And there's going to be a lot of words at this point about how much people want to do something. All these guys are going to be able to show it on on the court. They're all going to get their chances. Everyone who's left, once the buyout smoke clears and everything else, there are no more trades to to be made there are no more like okay well you might be shipped out for this guy and that's the sort of stuff too that does undermine that like let's all row in the same direction if you're on the Mm -hmm. trade block maybe it's hard to row in the same direction as the next guy you might be in a different boat exactly but all that stuff's over now and so and that's the business of the nba and i think all those guys know that too Right. That I can be here one day and gone the next day. And that's just how how it goes. But they're all now, Pete, going to have the opportunity to to say, like, all right, well, put your put your money where your mouth is to a certain extent. And now it's time to show, like, are you in it or are you not? And for the coaches, too. Are you in it or are you not? What are you looking out for with these guys? Are you looking out for your scheme or are you looking out for what these guys can do on the court? Are you looking out for, are you trying to build con continuity or are you looking to try to say like, okay, well, this thing matters to me tonight and this thing matters to me the, the next night. I'm not saying the coaches have been doing that stuff. I'm just saying that there's a certain amount of like, yeah, we got to try to win these, these games, but we also have to bring cohesiveness and that chicken in the egg idea i skew more towards the chicken and let's get that togetherness a little bit more and so that's sort of my last take about what is going on with this team at this point well the chicken makes the egg right like if we get more together we might just mess around and win a few more games too you know like that's right it's all, all of these are, are tied together let's let's pivot though for the last couple of minutes mike ben simmons james harden it finally went down what do you think yeah, it was the only natural trade for, I think, for both teams once it got to that point. And it was always building towards this. So I still am, I don't, I think it's it's tough for me not to be super critical of the way that Simmons kind of conducted this season and sitting out, and but without without getting too deep into that, I think Brooklyn is has a chance to improve upon the kind of, mix that they had based on Harden not being all the way invested and based on Kyrie only playing half the games. And then I think that Philly is, I think they're going to get Harden's best now. And that's a critique of Harden himself as well, that you don't get his best in every certain situation. But in this particular one where he's going back with Maury, where he's got this big now where it's on him, if he doesn't play well, as opposed to in Brooklyn where it was on, it was going to be, they were always going to have the excuse that Kyrie's there half the time that Durant's hurt. Right. So I expect it to kind of help both teams in the short term. Uh, And I think that I don't think you can count either one of them out. Uh, I would still favor the bucks to get out of the East though. And I think that Miami has just, just as good of a chance as Philly um, or Brooklyn. Bucks made a move too, Mike. They got Sir Sir Jabaka, who kicked the Lakers' butts the other day, um, looking spry for an older power power yeah. forward. His best game of the year, as uh, as is not as the only seems time to that's happen against the Lakers. Lakers. A fair yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you at, Pete? It, like, if you want to hit on the Harden um, mm-hmm. trade, but after that, is was there a trade that stood out to you the most? So Porzingis moving. Like that was that was a pretty wild trade. Porzingis getting getting moved. Uh, I'm curious about kind of the story behind that. One of the fun things about it's always fun to like text people like, oh, what's going on with like, you know, like what's the reason behind this? And that was something that uh, 
that trade in particular feels like I've been saying something for a couple of years, like may the Kristaps Porzingis era be long in Dallas because I think Luca's a real he's a bad dude. And if you get him a legit number two, which I don't think Porzingis is, then you're in business. And so they broke apart what's probably a bad contract in Porzingis for two bad contracts in Bertans and, and Dinwiddie. And we could talk about like the on-court fit and all that with that, but I think it would be probably easier for them, although Dinwiddie's on the longer contract. No, Bert, think, Bertans is the worst contract out of that out of that group. Yeah. Sorry. He's the worst contract of all three, yes. I think. Bertans is. Yeah, it's one you of the worst so? in the league. So yeah. I, I guess my point is Dallas needs to get Luca number two. And I think that this, I think, I might be wrong in that, but I think that this makes that easier in the long run. I'm just surprised it happened mid-season. Like, how many teams with playoff hopes do you ever see trade their, like, number two scorer, right? Or, yeah. they, like, one of their main pieces. Super unusual trade. So that was the one that stood out. And then with respect to Harden and Simmons, I'm, I'm, I don't. I like it for both teams. Obviously, it's beneficial for both teams. I really like it for Brooklyn. I thought that they got the better end of that deal. I don't really trust Harden if you're in a like we want to win a championship type of – I don't know. I think there's that's a combustible situation there. But how can yeah. you argue with it over Ben Simmons, right? I was going to touch on the Porzingis so, because this is really the only trade in the West of a top five. Now, I say top five with Denver's right there, which Dallas are kind of interchanging, but – you know, Utah's trade, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker and uh, Hernan Gomez. You know, I don't I don't think that moves the needle for them. Memphis didn't do anything um, as well. They shouldn't have with what that mix is right now. Golden State didn't really do anything. And Phoenix, uh, Phoenix made a, a couple of moves. They get a couple of well, Magic Johnson. We know liked Phoenix's moves because uh, <laughs> he tweeted about it. But, you know, the most significant player in that Western Conference playoff picture to go was Porzingis and they get back Dinwiddie, who has really struggled this year. And that's with Beal missing time. That's with being featured some. And he just hasn't, you know, hasn't really been able to impact winning there. But it does, like, Porzingis actually had a pretty good season relative to what last year was, other than all of the injuries that he's had. Like, there are a couple of statistical metrics where... Oh, defensively, getting, he's been fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he's, you know, he's basically like the 30th best statistical player. This mm. year, if you incorporate all kinds of things like gets to the free throw line a lot, spaces the floor as a three point shooter, can do some rim protecting. Like, yes, he has his weaknesses, uh, isn't the best rebounder, but uh, isn't the best passer. But like there he was he's been useful uh, for Dallas this year. And it tells you something about what probably Luca thinks of him, maybe what Jason Kidd thinks of mm -hmm. him, what the front office thinks of him. Same, same kind of thing that New York was willing to give him up. And Dallas gave up two firsts. To get him, yeah. which meant that they have been unable to sort of add to their core around that because of it. And I don't know if, you know, Dinwiddie and Bertans help that uh, and their their contracts are both lesser. So in theory, they could be packaged in different ways. But it also maybe tells something about Jalen uh, Brunson, who's been really good. Maybe they're not so sure that he's going to stay because some other team is going to make him that kind of deal. But I, uh, I, I am very interested in that mix around Luca and if they can find a way to you know, to make it be plausible enough, but I don't see them doing much this year uh, in the, other than like, could they win a first round series? Definitely. If they're going against Utah, if, if it stays the four or five as it is, but you know, I, there, uh, I think there's a ceiling based on what you were saying, Pete earlier about that's number two, not being clear at all. Yeah. The way that I see the Porzingis trade, it, well, first of all, I was shocked. Like I was surprised. That was the, that was the holy shit trade. That happened yeah. today. Um, the other part that I would say is, is it seems Dallas really does like Kleba. They really do like Powell. And that the idea of we'd rather give our usage to ball handlers than give yeah. our usage to a spacing big man. That's happening all over the league. Yeah. Right? That it's a pivot towards more like Luca ball. Mm. Right. And it's in a weird way, it's an investment in in him. And in the short term, I think it is an investment in Brunson as well. Like we see you as the second starter next to Luca and we're going to put Dinwiddie back into a role that he's basically been best in his entire career, which is a bench gunner. 
right? Like a Lou Williams with a little bit more passing feel, right? Like, and that's basically what Dinwiddie's been. Um, he's paid a lot of money for that now, but that's who he is, right? Um, I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons and in, in getting to the other trade. I just want to say that I hope that um, whatever's been whatever challenges that he's been facing from like a mental health standpoint and, and, and everything I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust that all of that stuff is um, I don't want to say real, but that it's just like that, that stuff's I'm sure it's all rooted in real stuff for him. And I hope that, and I'm sure like having a work environment that maybe you don't feel supported in or whatever, that that impacts your mental health as well. And I hope that he finds whatever he needs to find in Brooklyn. Cause I think that it's a wonderful fit for him as a player playing next to Kevin Durant. Um, and when he's able to play next to Kyrie Irving and just being that all court sort of player, um, as far as hard and like, I don't know, man, he gives us left-handers a bad name sometimes. Hey. <laughs> Amen to that. The East is going to be fun as hell, though, man. That's, it is. The, those playoffs are going to be are going to be great. Uh, all right, went a little longer on this one, but I think we needed to to kind of cover uh, everything. Everybody have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday to t- discuss. Who knows what's going to uh, as the Lakers turn? Who knows what will happen between now and then? We will be here to cover all of it here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Brian, 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 Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.